You're listening to episode 57 of Fearless Rebel Radio, and I'm chatting with my friend Noelle Tarr, a non-dogmatic nutritional therapy practitioner and personal trainer, all about how to set goals and redefine your relationship with fitness and health without going crazy, and why we both hate the term goal setting. (laughs) This is a fun episode, and uh, there's some good rants in it from Noelle, so you are going to really enjoy it. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to head to summerinandin.com forward slash freebies to get my free 10-day body confidence makeover. Or you can just go to thebodyimagecoach.com and you'll be able to see the big opt-in box to get my free 10-day body confidence makeover there. All right, let's get started with this episode. Hey everybody, today I'm talking to Noelle Tarr, the woman behind Coconuts and Kettlebells. Noelle Tarr is a nutritional therapy practitioner and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. She's the author behind everything you'll find at coconutsandkettlebells.com and she's the co-host of the top-ranking nutrition and fitness podcast, The Paleo Women Podcast. Welcome to the show, Noelle. Thank you so much. I just had a little moment right there where I was like, Wow, yeah, I have I I've done it. Cuz like a, That's like, me. <laughs> yeah, because like a few years ago even to say I I was in a job that I didn't necessarily I wasn't necessarily passionate about and I was like I'm going to do this. And so I started pursuing the things I wanted to do and helping people and like create, you know, this idea and it here it is. So, mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here with you. It's cool and it's great to recognize that uh mm-hmm. it, it for for yourself, right? Cuz so often yeah. we're tied up in like what's next? What's next? Like where else do I need to go? And we don't just like stop and be like, "Hey, look what I did over the past few years." Like Gosh, that's pat on the back. That, yeah, that's a that's a goal for mine, honestly, in 2016. Because I even I've I've talked about this with my husband, and it's like we are so quick to just always be looking ahead and trying and looking at the things that we don't have or the things that we're reaching for, which is not a bad thing. But like, rarely do we ever stop and just like let it marinate and be like, oh, cool. Like, look at all the things we have accomplished and how far we've come just in life, business, whatever. And so I would love to make that a 2016 kind of goal for myself because I just, it it helps a lot. I mean, you got to take a breather every once in a while, right? Yes, it's a, it's yeah. an ongoing battle for me. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm like really inspired by, which is so random and probably offside is, you know, like I listen to a lot of podcasts where they interview celebrities, you know, like I'll listen to like the WTF podcast or like I'll listen to like Howard Stern celebrity interviews and stuff. And um, I love hearing about, you know, how it took them 10, 20 years to make it like all the failures, like all the rejection. I always get like, so I'm always like, oh, okay. You know, like, (laughs) there's always the stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, you just you see the outcome for some people and you just assume that it's going to be really easy and that it Mm -hmm. should be easy and it's not. And uh, that's a totally offside conversation for this podcast. (laughs) That is very insightful, though. Like, I'm just (laughs) nodding my head here. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, failure is like the fastest track, in my opinion, to success because you learn what not to do instead of kind of speculate on what does work or maybe not even take any action at all. So, you know, taking the action and then failing is the best, most a fastest track to success. So, yeah. And I think people in like the entertainment industry are so used to rejection that Mm -hmm. like they build up this resiliency to it and they just keep going and keep going and keep going. And like, I, I really admire that because, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's like, you really have to want to get rejected and just being a human being. I think that, you know, if you avoid rejection Mm. that you, you miss out on a lot of amazing experiences. Or if you're trying to please everybody, which you and I have talked about this before, because if you try, like in your business, if you try to just please everybody or even in life, you know, if you if you try to be a ple- people pleaser, you're just kind of going to not be fulfilled. You know what I mean? Or you're not going to have the same passion or drive. Or you're not going to connect with people the same way you would if you said, this is my stance. This is what I believe in. And I'm going to put it out there, even though I may get some negative feedback or haters, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Bring on the hater, haters to the left. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> it, should. it should. Isn't that like a line in the song? Like, uh, 
I think so. Haters, Probably Beyonce or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so before we keep going on this wonderful tangent, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about who you are and uh, where you got to, not where you got to, where you got to or how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I'll keep it short. I, um, when I was young, I had really bad digestive issues. I also had a mom who was dieting and also really uh, pursued health and she had a very specific approach to health. We, we ended up going vegetarian when I was about 12 years old and it was really because she had digestive issues and so did I. And so she wanted to know if I was willing to change the things I ate in order to just feel better. And I, it was pretty bad. I had severe IBS. I would miss birthday parties. I, I remember it just like being in the bathroom and I know what house I was in and everything and just being in so much pain and not understanding like what was going on. And so we uh, went vegetarian and that necessarily didn't teach me much, I think, about dieting. It, it really, when I got to high school and I started to, my body started to change as most, you know, women who go through puberty and grow up do. Um, I felt as though the body that I was morphing into or the body that I had was somehow uh, not getting the same attention that it once used to. And when I say that, I mean, I, I, I felt like somehow I had correlated. I was, we were weighing ourselves in, in a weight loss, or I'm sorry, a, a weight lifting class. And we were weighing ourselves and I had noticed for the first time that I had gained weight. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why I just got dumped by my boyfriend and I'm not getting the same attention that I did last year. And so once I started kind of creating that thought pattern in my head, I was like, okay, cool, what can I do? And of course, I went to the first thing, which promised solution, which was some diet shake. Can't even remember the name of it. But I drank a shake for breakfast and lunch and ate a regular dinner and um, I actually think my mom did that with me. And so I started losing weight. I started getting attention from it. And that attention became a super high for me. And, and I think what happened really when I started getting rejected or lost a relationship, lost the power, so to speak, that I thought I had because of my physical appearance, I started to really deal with some, uh, uh you know, self, um, I, I don't want to say I mean, I, it's hard because I was, I was a very outgoing and confident person. But when it came to that, it seemed like I started to deal with some self confidence issues. And so as I went into, I was a cheerleader. And as I went into college, these things just started to get worse and worse and worse. And I started to use other things, you know, as I started to become a lower weight and started to do more extreme things like marathons and all that kind of stuff, it was like, uh, and now I need to do the next big, like, what's the thing that I can do that's like even better than that or even, you yeah. know, hardcore than that, right? And so it was like, it just, it kept, I kept spiraling, spiraling downward, trying to figure out what would be that thing that would finally um, make me worthy, make mm -hmm. me um, attractive and, and all that stuff. And so eventually I hit a breaking point. I sustained a really uh, serious injury. I have some back issues and I think it all related to that. And, um, I was out for like a year and a half and I really had to sit down and kind of say, dude, Noelle, like, what are you doing? And I ended up going into a CrossFit gym that was really helpful. That was really good with, um, orthopedic issues and all that kind of stuff. The trainers were, and so they started talking to me about some of the things that I knew existed, um, but it, I, I didn't quite even understand it yet then. So I started doing different functional type of movements, and I started seeing fitness differently, not for how can I burn as many calories and what are the things that I can do that are extreme so that people will come up to me and be like, I can't believe you did that. You're so awesome. And instead, change over to... What can I do that will help me develop a body or build a body that is more capable, that can walk around and not be in pain, that can, you know, do a squat, sit down and stand up or pick something off the floor with proper movement patterns and, and, and serve me and help me experience all the things that I want to experience in life. And once I changed my mindset and, and the, 
it took a while <laughs> summer it took a while right like it that was like the start of it but it really took at least three or four years for me to completely shift and and catch myself when I would shift out of that mindset and um once I did that I honestly was like um you know I turned around and looked back and I was like wow there are so many women who are approaching food and workouts and fitness from a place of self-hate and and trying to become worthy and thinking that they are unworthy and so these things are going to make them unworthy which just ends up being a horrible crazy town you know path and mm. and I was like I I just I need to talk to these women I want to build a community that that starts to pursue health from a place of self-love gets rid of this dogmatic one-size-fits-all approach to everything and and so that's when I started coconuts and kettlebells and I still had some you know I I had what I had started my business back then is different than what it is today but as I started the business and started writing things I started really building this community and um, ended up, you know, getting, having the nutritional therapy certification, deciding that I really wanted to get a certification with the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And that was kind of my dream and ended up leaving, finally leaving my job and saying, I'm going to do this full time and make this work. And so here I am. <laughs> I am yeah, here. That is so yeah. cool. That is yeah. so great. I love how you talked about how you shifted from, you know, focusing on aesthetics mm -hmm. to capability you know, and how that your, your outlook on, on fitness and, and health really evolved and that it took you a long time to get there. Yeah, it did. It really did. And, you know, it's something that I see with clients and also in myself, I can quickly revert back to, oh my gosh, I haven't, like, for example, the past few weeks I've had uh, my back issues have resurfaced. And so I've, chosen to not do workouts and to not do certain things and I can quickly be like oh my gosh what am I doing like I need to do something like if I don't do something you know then I'm gonna I'm it's all like I'm my body's gonna just change and I'm gonna lose all this fitness and so it's I quickly like shift back into that mindset but I have things that I can say to myself that I'm that I can quickly say okay I know that's not true. I'm not going to lose all of my fitness if I don't do something today and allow my body to actually heal as opposed to cr create chronic inflammation and continue to stress this this injury. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's something that I still and I'm sure everybody does, but I can at least quickly jump out of it and be like, yeah, no, I'm not going back there. So, yes, I, I mean, I think it's a lot of times there's like that ego, right, where we actually have mm -hmm. to like... <laughs> have this conversation with ourselves yeah. where it's like, you got your ego personality being like, you can do it. Come on, like push yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's the ego, there's like the disordered personality. And then you got to have your voice of compassion. That's just got to like talk you off the ledge and be like, what does it matter? It's one day or a week or even a few weeks or whatever. Like you're, you can always get it back. There's more time. Like it's, it, you're not going to lose, you lose your fitness or, you know, your body's not going to like rapidly change because you take time off. Oh my gosh, totally. And I, I, I will even say a few months, if you take a few months off, like it's a huge misconception and I get the science and the fact that you will lose certain aspects of your fitness by not working out. So if you're an athlete and you do that for a living, like, cool, I understand you have other things to do, but you can take six, eight, 12 weeks, you can take whatever weeks off that you want. And when you, you can get back into it and get to where you were plus better, you know what I mean? In terms of if you have some sort of strength goal, or you want to get pull-ups or all that stuff. Like if you need to take off for an injury, you can get back into it. It may take a little, little bit of time, maybe a week or two for you to start to feel your mojo again, but you can pretty, I mean, your body is, is pretty good at activating and getting back into the, into the mode that you once were. So it's more about being um doing enough you know and and just kind of allowing yourself to take the time off and rest and not be injured and get the rest that you need if you're going through a stressful time and then get back into it and don't beat yourself up about it when you can I mean yeah and I think oh you know overtraining is such a real issue um right you know like that was something that plagued me that I still mm. have to be really mindful and and cautious of and um, you know, I see it a lot and especially like, you know, within the CrossFit community, I think people get started and they're like 
they want to just keep going and going and going. Yeah. And, um, but that, I mean, that never makes us stronger. Like rest is, is so important. Right. Rest is where we become stronger. So yes, exactly. Right. So yeah. well said. Um, <laughs> what are some of the ramifications you see from, from overtraining or like how, how can somebody know if they have, if they're taking it too far? I think the classic sign and what a lot of people start to deal with is, or they'll see, is little twinges. Little things that aren't quite right, maybe a little twinge in your knee or your shoulder, that is not usually there. And it starts to kind of create a chronic, like, oh, there it is again type of thing. And a lot of people who are more focused on, I got to get into the gym today, um, you know, when when you have a certain mentality around fitness... That is more so about my worth as a human being is in the workouts that I do and the fact that I'm going into workout today and not taking that extra day off and, and, you know, all that stuff that that overrides sort of what I would consider to be our common sense, which is I should probably rest my shoulder or I should probably rest my knee. Mm-hmm. Um, when those little twinges start to happen, because honestly, if you take some of the, like just a couple of days off, then you become, you can actually come back pretty, like stronger. Yeah. Uh, but, but those little twinges are, are a major sign to me. Uh, also, I think overtraining, a lot of people deal with this is, is the sleep issues. Uh, when you stop being able to sleep really well, um, that can be a big thing. So, you know, any sort of changes where you can't get to sleep or you're waking up in the middle of the night, and that's just because the stress response uh, that's happening in your body is sort of dysregulating your sleeping capabilities. Cortisol is your awake hormone. It's what wakes us up in the morning. But if it's going chronically or you have chronic cortisol output, it's you're gonna it's going to inhibit your ability to get um, restful sleep and to get to sleep. So... I think those are the two main ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like another one that I see is just being like, just feeling like, like beat up and fatigued tired. And, and tired. Yeah. There's this mentality that like you should push through and, you know, rest is for the week. <laughs> yes. All those other like fits yes. go, <laughs> fits yeah. go prop right. that we and- see out there. And people feel bad that they like think that they are ti- that they're tired or that uh, loss of motivation is a big one too. If you're just like not excited about what you're doing anymore, and people are like, "Oh, I just need to push through." And sometimes the answer is just take a day or two of rest, and you can get back into doing whatever you want. Maybe you would just take a day and like go for walks or, or stuff, and you can come back much stronger and with much more vitality and excitement around whatever it is that you love to do. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of times where people, especially with the women I work with, you know, they've had like this disordered relationship with fitness and with food. Mm -hmm. And so part of the recovery is really like taking a step back and and, uh, in some cases completely eliminating anything that's like high intensity. Mm -hmm. But there's often like this uncomfortable point that they get to where they're like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm ready to get back into it, but I'm afraid of approaching it from like a disordered perspective. How did you shift out of that? Like how did, how did you create this healthy relationship with fitness? Hmm. You know, I think it really started with having sort of a wake up call. And I think that many of us have that wake up call where it's like, either I'm super injured, my body is no longer responding, or I have lost capability or health as a result of this disordered mindset with the fitness thing. And so it really does take some mindset shifts and talking to yourself in a way and and learn first of all learning truths right no learning the things about fitness and and if you've taken time off from fitness like you whether it was forced because you have an injury or you you did it by choice um there you see that there's most people do see that there's something going on there and so relearning certain truths about fitness to include knowing that your morality is not reliant on the fitness or the things that you do and there is there is no one activity that is better or more worthy or more hardcore or whatever than another and you can do so many things to include just walking you know to to better your health and your fitness um just continuing to surround yourself with 
um, social media, all of the accounts and everything like that, that, that believe in that, right? And removing all of the stuff that doesn't, because that can be very triggering. Um, and, and, and teaching yourself and just, and, and kind of manifesting that mindset and then pursuing fitness from that with that mindset is is really helpful. And I and I think that when I typically recommend what I recommend for clients and what I ended up having to do was just really slowly get back into it. So instead of saying, I'm going to get back into it, I'm going to do five days this week. It was like, OK, I'm going to do one or two days and see what happens. I'm going to go run for like four minutes. Literally, that's what like one of my first runs back was just like, I just want to like see what it's like to breathe some air and like run for a couple minutes. And so that's kind of what I did. And, and I held myself accountable to just keep it there. And sometimes it's, it's helpful to have like somebody else to hold you accountable as well. But it's just saying, I'm not going to, this isn't, I'm not trying to go hard. I'm not trying to push my body. I'm just trying to get some movement in some fresh air and, and to see what it is that I enjoy and what actually I love doing. Summer, honestly, I, when I stepped back and was like, do I actually like doing all this stuff? And when I asked myself that question, I said, no, yeah. <laughs> like, I actually didn't like the things that I was doing. I was doing those things because I thought they were like the thing I needed to do in order to be the best and the most worthy and to be that I wanted to be that girl and I wanted to be extreme and when I stepped back and I was like, do I really want to do more triathlons or have that has that like run its course? Because Lord knows that, you know, eight years ago, if you would have told me that someday I would have stopped doing triathlons. I mean, I, I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to be 65 doing triathlons. But when I actually sat down and like sat with myself and said, OK, I know these things about fitness now. Do am I doing things I actually enjoy? And the answer was no. Like, like. I really had to be honest with myself because I thought I loved running. And maybe if there was a point in time that I did. But when I was like, is that what I want to be spending my time doing? The answer was no. So I started experimenting, you know, having this sort of trial period where I experimented with things that I actually enjoyed doing. And it wasn't swimming. Stop swimming. I hate swimming now. Um, <laughs> I just hate it. I hate being cold and I hate my hair and chlorine and having to wash my hair. It's just not a thing anymore. So I stopped swimming. Uh, I stopped like making myself go for runs and I was like, okay, if you could do anything you want, you wanted to do today, Noel, what would it be? And I did that thing. So if it was like going for a walk, I would do it. If it was like going and lifting weights. And I found that I was actually really enjoying the process of like just strength training, like lifting weights made me feel really good. I actually enjoyed it. I was good at it. And we're we typically enjoy the things we're good at, but I was like good at it. And so I started doing more of that, not being on a specific protocol or thing or trying to, you know, train for a specific event or race, just doing it to do it and not feel like I had to be um, forced into doing a workout because I had an event or something that I needed to perform at and just saying, Yes or no? Do I feel like doing this? Do I feel like my body's ready to do this? So I started, you know, enjoying that process and not feeling bad for not going for a run or not feeling bad for even not doing back squats. You know, it's like in every community, you kind of get the whole like, this is the thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I get it that it works for some people, but my back is not is no longer going to accept weighted back squats. And so I kept trying to push that envelope and I kept hurting myself and getting injured and whether or not that can be fixed in the future, I'm hopeful. But like for right now, I'm like, cool, there's so many other things that I could do and enjoy and it doesn't have to be back squat. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to put a bunch of weight on my back and back squat. Like I just have <laughs> yes. to do it. So like just having that freedom, honestly, to say like, what is it that I want to do? What do I enjoy? And what's not working for me? And owning that I think was a huge piece. And once I really said I am owning it, then like my whole world flipped. So yeah, yeah. I mean, my gosh, you just said so many cool things. <laughs> Sorry, I rambled. There. No, that was like the best <laughs> ramble. That was okay. so great. Because what you described, like if I were to sum it up in like one word or two words, we'll call it, 
was intuitive exercise. (laughs) You know, people talk about like intuitive eating and Mm -hmm. um, if we were to apply a similar model to fitness, like that's exactly what you just described. It was like, what does my body feel like doing? Like what feels good for me? Not taking away any of the kind of, you know, quote unquote shoulds, not making it into a thing. Like it doesn't have to be like, all right, I'm going to run. And if I don't run for an hour, like then I'm not running at all. You know, like if I feel like running for four minutes, I'll run for four minutes and that's it, you know? Right. And Yeah. yeah, like if you can't back squat heavy weight, like it's okay. You're still welcome in the gym. Like it's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not, you're not losing out on fitness because of that. Right. Yeah. And I'm, and that's the one thing though. And there's a lot of fear too, based around that. Like, oh, if I just decide to let myself do the things I want to do, then I'm just not going to do anything. But I think once you really actually let yourself do the things you want to do, you'll find that you find things that you really enjoy because essentially uh, if we pursue making our body more capable, feeling better, having more energy, all of those things, we will feel it in our body w- when we do things that we enjoy versus not doing things and just sitting on the couch. And sometimes it's great to sit on the couch and that's awesome. But if you really actually say, like, what do I feel like doing? I bet you 99% of the time it's not going to be do nothing because you're going to find the things that you enjoy, that your body's responding to, that you're good at, that you're progressing and you can get better at. And so that whole process is just fun. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of people are fearful that that's not going to be it for them, but it, it can be for sure. So, and I think it takes a lot of trial and error too. Like mm-hmm. if you try something and you don't like it, like that's okay. And I think that was a big one for, for me was being able to be like, like, I hate, I hate running. Like I, I, yeah. I hate it. I hate right. it so much. And for the longest time, I was like, I want to do a 10K just so I can say I did a 10K. And then, and then like, finally, I think it was like last year, I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't really want to do that. And I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, why do I need to say I've done that? You know, it doesn't, yes. does not matter. <laughs> yes, that is so funny. Cause I, cause I've been trying like toying around the, like once you've a bit, like, I'm like, do I really want to do running again? So like my husband still does races and stuff. And we used to have a lot of fun doing things together. And I'm like, cool. Well, if you're going to do the 10k, then I would love to do the 10k too. And so then I get back into running and then I start to screw myself up and be like, I need to be running more. And I probably need to get more miles in. And so like I start to revert back and I always end up somehow injured. Mm -hmm. I think it's also because of the damage that I did to my body when I was running a ton. But every single time that I have said, I'm going to train and do this race, I have always not been able to do it because of runner's knee or some, my back starts to hurt or like, or some sort of hip issue, which it's one in the same. So it's it's kind of funny to me how I'm like, it's still a thing. Like, I'm always like, oh, maybe I should. And then I'm like, yeah, no, not doing that again. Like, I think I've learned my lesson for the 18th time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny <laughs> it's how with- our body's really good at telling us that stuff. Yes, <laughs> totally. Totally. I love swimming, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, that's like the one the one thing I'm like, actually, I really, I really do enjoy. But it, it's the context has to be there for me. Like it has to be a good it has to be a good pool, a good environment. But yes. um, it's like, my yeah. for, it's like my only form of meditation. But uh, yeah, oh, no, it's funny. Okay. I'm, I'm way better in the water than I am on land. Like, <laughs> just maybe that's because I'm a Pisces. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so so let's talk about about like, you know, motivation or, you know, how, how to get inspired. Because I think, you know, like you, you said, you know, like eventually you'll want to move or like if you're sitting on the couch, like, and you really tune into yourself, like you'll figure out that you do want to move. But I think for some people, like they, they really struggle with that where they can't, they can't like get themselves like into the groove with something. So, you know, what's your advice to somebody like that who feels like they just can't find something that they, they do consistently? Yeah, this can be a really complicated topic, right? And and it's and it's hard and it also is different for different people. So, one of the things that I love most when talking about the whole motivation piece is really just again, self-evaluation and understanding how it is that you best operate. So, for example, I really like to say own your stuff. Like own the things that work for you. In other words, if 
everybody tells you it's the thing you must do it you should be doing you should be working out in the morning and you just hate working out in the morning and you don't want to do it and it doesn't work for you and you feel tired and you can't get a good workout in the mornings stop doing it stop doing it don't feel bad about it work out at the time that works for you i think the main the basics is really Get the movement in that you enjoy doing. And typically, when you actually enjoy doing something, you'll, you'll be much more inclined to do it. But don't judge yourself for not doing it the perfect way uh, according to what everybody else is saying is the perfect thing to do. To include how many meals you eat a day or whatever. Like, do you eat fat before you go to bed or not? Like, just eat the stuff and do the workouts that works for you and fits within your life and what works for your body. And so, again, kind of ditching, I think really ditching that one-size-fits-all dogmatic mentality. And, and I know that some people do really well with um, parameters or guidelines or whatever, and they feel more freedom when they have some guidelines, but a lot of us don't. And so kind of saying, okay, sure, I may try this thing or I may be doing this thing, um, but essentially what I'm going to do is figure out if it works for my body or not. Like, does this movement work for me and does this uh, food or whatever, meal plan or timing or whatever, does this work for me? Am I enjoying it? Is my body responding well? Am I emotionally and physically and mentally happy? And is it serving me and helping me to experience life? And so approaching any sort of thing with that attitude will make sure, well, won't make sure, but it will help you make you more, uh, I guess, excited, you know, excited and a little bit less like feeling like you have to quote unquote, like a lot of us feel like we have to do things. And so it's almost like we dread doing the stuff. But if we can kind of change our mentality around it and actually say, um, cool, this is going to serve me. It's going to mean that I get to have more fun. And, and, you know, it helps me serve my why, which, you know, the why is a big deal to me too, uh, which is, hey, why are you, why is it that you want to do this? Why is it that you have this goal? And if, and, and it's not um, so that I can bench press five, you know, more pounds or 10 more pounds and, and people will think I'm cool. No, it's what's the thing? Like, why is it that you do want to become stronger? Or why is it that you do want to go to bed earlier? And if essentially it typically is something like to feel better, to have more energy, to, um, get up in the morning and be able to spend more time with my family or, you know, so that's all these things. And once we think about that, why, then we we're more inclined to do the thing as opposed to just looking at it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I will say, because I just threw a bunch of stuff in there. The last thing I will say is it's okay. It is okay if you need accountability, if you need some sort of external accountability with being, you know, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a trainer um, or a coach of some sort. It is absolutely okay if you need somebody to hold you accountable. In fact, most of the people in the world need accountability in order to meet um, expectations that they've set for themselves. So uh, Gretchen Rubin talks about a lot, this uh, talks about this a lot in her book, um, but I've always kind of seen people as as two different types. And her book, by the way, is called Happier. She also has a new book called Better Than Before. Uh, but I've always kind of seen people or clients as two different types. There's the type that um, is able to uphold behaviors pretty well. They, I can give them a plan and boom, they do it, no questions asked. And they like to report back to me and say, um, this is what I did. Here's some things. And I just want you to know, and you know, this is, this is working and this is not. And so then we can move forward. But there's a lot of people who don't actually get the stuff done. And in fact, need me to say, Hey, you need to email me with the changes that you have made, or I'm going to email you, or I'm going to help you. Um, and I'm going to talk to you about your workout after you do it on Thursday or whatever, and see how you feel. So in other words, I become that accountability and a lot of people need that and that is absolutely okay. And so knowing that about yourself and knowing that it doesn't make you weak-minded or what, like there's so much misunderstanding when it comes to uh, accountability, but that, that doesn't make you less than or weak or whatever. That just means you need accountability. Like that's all it means. So really understanding how it is that you operate. Do you need accountability or do you not? And, and 
again, doing the things you enjoy, doing the things you love, not having that judgment around it, and then positioning and setting your your life up in a way that allows you to, ha- to achieve the things you want to achieve and to do the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I think the, the accountability thing's great. I, I, yeah. I have... Um... I have accountability in a lot of different areas of my life. And I think that, you know, a lot of times we have this uh, belief about ourselves that, you know, asking for help is, is weakness. And, mm-hmm. um, I happen to think the complete opposite is true. I think being able to ask for help is probably one of the strongest and most courageous things that you can do. And, um, you know, getting that, getting that accountability is, is so important. It's just about finding the right match for you, especially when it comes to fitness. Cause, a lot of times trainers just automatically think you want to lose weight, <laughs> yes. you know, like that's just like, and it's, and a lot of times it's like, no, like I just, you know, I want to be healthy or I'm coming from this background of disordered behavior. And so, you know, that, that type of conversation is actually really triggering for me. So I think it's, you have to find someone who's, who's aligned and also just set expectations and say like, this is what I need from you. Like, this is why I'm hiring you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, having that like time beforehand to, I mean, choosing your accountability wisely is a big thing, um, but making sure that they understand your goals and and how you operate and what's going to work best for you is huge. And that, again, that's hard to figure out, right? Like it's kind of, it takes a a while. It takes some time for that self-reflection to really start to display the things that will help you operate better. And so, you have to really kind of examine yourself, understand it, what it is that is triggering for you or is going to help you and then communicate that, you know, clearly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Talk to me a little bit about goal setting. Cause sometimes people are like, screw goals. Like, you know, what, <laughs> what are, what are your thoughts on that? I, <laughs> this is funny. I hate, I've always hated goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. And you know what? I'm married to a man who loves, loves goals, like loves the process, loves sitting down beginning of the year and writing out goals. And I, it was because I had um, I and, and I'm warming up to them. But it was because I had a misunderstanding of goals because my entire history, what I would do or in my history, what I would do with working out specifically, I would set these goals and I'd be like, I am going to lose 15 pounds in 21 days. And I'm going to, uh, you know, I make these like really um, this kind of like idealistic mentality. I'm going to run uh, 40 miles a week. And so I'd set all these, I'd write them down and I'd get really passionate about it. And again, this was me and my disordered mentality, but I'd write it all down and kind of freak out about it and hold on to it really tightly and get so wrapped up in that, you know, extreme, um, like I need to achieve this kind of mentality and, and that deprivation mentality that I would just, um, completely self-sabotage myself by, well, having that restrictive mentality and then binging or, um, you know, taking a rest day or just being so like, I just remember just, waking up each day and just like feeling so down until like I would have this tension until I got the workout in. And then when I got the workout in, it was like, okay, now I can breathe. Now like I can eat, you know, now I deserve to eat. Now I can get the things done and I'm kind of pursuing that goal. And so I've had this like not so wonderful relationship with goals in the past, but now what I'm doing with goals and I'm sure all the goal setting people will hate me for this, but I do not get so damn specific. You know, I'm not like, this is the thing I'm going to do. I actually am a little bit more broad with it. And I, um, I really love the idea of being persistent, having those goals and having the things, you know, having a vision, having what it is that you want to be, whether it's with your business or with your relationship or with, you know, your body and, and what you want to feel and and being persistent and being excited about that and pursuing that, but then then being really flexible in your methods. So being flexible means 
if you start to pursue, like, I really want to be able to do a pull-up. Like, I've really been working towards this. And, and so buying, you know, in six months, I want to be able to do five. And so I'm going to try to get one pull-up by the end of the month. And you start to pursue that goal. And you start to, uh, you get one. And maybe you get two. But as you're going for that third one, you're noticing that, again, you have some pain in your shoulder. And it's not really, you may need to take some time off and take some time back. And maybe you need to adjust that goal. Maybe five pull-ups isn't the best thing for your body. Right now, and so having that kind of flexibility, flexibility when you're pursuing goals allows you to change your goal, or just maybe make your target date a little longer, or whatever. Like maybe even just throw out the goal together based on how your body is is responding and what it's telling you and what's serving you. So that even in business, if you're like, these are the things I want to do, and certain things change, or you start to realize that your passion and, and you really think that maybe something else should be your priority, you can shift things and say, okay, I'm going to push this here. And I'm actually going to do this other thing now um, for the time being. I think that actually sets you up to for much more success to actually achieve the goals that you want than it would be if you were just so hard and fast about achieving the goal very specifically and with the exact time period that you set as I used to do before. So Yeah, I think there's a time and place for that. You know, like obviously right. if you're competing in something, yes, like if you're an absolutely. athlete, like you're probably gonna have some hard and fast goals and yes. you know, have to like push through. But I think in terms of just being like a healthy, happy human being um, being able to shift them. And I think it's, it's, we get so focused on like the, the outcome Mm -hmm. and we get so attached to the outcome that we lose sight of the, the process and the behavior. And that's really where change comes from is the, the stuff in the middle, you know, like, absolutely. (laughs) And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I have, I have some like hard, you know, goals with my, you know, for example, with my business, but, they're always kind of moving targets and I'm, and I'm, and I'm shifting them, but it's more about, okay, what's the stuff in the middle? Like, and that, that's really the important part. And so as long as I did my best there, I'm okay if I didn't meet a goal or I learn from it and I move on. And, um, same thing goes with, with fitness for sure. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I love the idea of being more focused on the process and, and really just kind of seeing, okay, what's the next step and being able to shift that end, you know, to whatever it is that's best going to serve your needs. Because as you go through the process, right, as you go through the steps, you're going to learn more about what's actually going to work for your body. It's kind of, it's impossible. If you have a challenging goal, which most goals are challenging, it's hard to really know, like, is this going to be exactly right for me? And is this process going to be uh, right for me and my body? And am I, and how's, how am I going to respond? So as you get into those steps, deep into it, and you're still, you know, moving forward, you're still making progress, um, it, that really gives you the flexibility to kind of shift and change and, and react to how your body is responding. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as you said in the beginning, failure is the fast track to success so I think there's there's so much in you know I I know like often I'm like I'll say even there is no failure there's only like you know lessons to be learned but I think that if we can be willing to to fail and like you know not meet our goals (laughs) you know if the outcome didn't matter so much like how how would our actions be different and I think that Mm. it can be it can be quite life-changing when you stopped when you let go of the outcome, when you become less like emotionally attached to the outcome. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about food really quickly. And mm-hmm. that, you know, there's this misconception that like, you know, if you are quote unquote, not dieting, <laughs> you are not eating healthy, you know, like right. when sometimes when I work with women, like I'm getting them off of dieting. And so they think like, all right, well, then I'm not eating healthy. Like there's just Mm -hmm. no alternative. And so, you know, how are you able to cultivate a good relationship with food while still nourishing your body? Like, obviously, you know, you had these health issues, Mm -hmm. um, but then you also had this kind of, you know, struggle with um, wanting to do more to become worthy or like to lose more weight to become worthy. So how did you end up kind of landing at a place where you're like, okay, I'm able to manage these health issues with food and I'm not, and I'm not dieting like quote unquote. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing for me was just taking the word can't out of my vocabulary and really shifting 
my thought process when it came to my interactions with food before it was like, what is the thing that's going to help me lose weight? And what is the thing that's going to like put, put me in a position to be uh, lean and worthy and accepted and kind of that, that, that perceived perfect, you know, whatever body, human being, all the will, all the stuff, willpower, all that stuff, um, according to social norms. So instead of saying, what is going to help me lose weight? It, it really changed into what is going to make me feel well. And it was really understanding that there is no such thing as happiness. And, um, in terms of, of being or equating to uh, leanness, you know, there is, there, there is not an even uh, relationship with that. And in other words, you don't become happier the leaner you get. Mm-hmm. And so really struggling through that process and realizing that actually the more I, the more leaner my body became, the more I stole from my body in terms of, you know, health and, and wellness and all that stuff, the, the less happy I was. And I realized that I'm, I was never going to actually become happy um, just by using food in this way. So I started to really have to shift my mindset around food, which was, okay, how is this, how can food help me live and experience things? Because happiness, I'm a firm believer, happiness comes from what we experience in life, right? It comes from all the things we're able to do and see and the love we're able to share. And so I was like, okay, how can I enhance my experience in life and, and like, get all these, you know, have great achievements with my body, you know, doing pull-ups and push-ups and all that stuff, but essentially, like, feel really good. Like, how can I just feel really good? And so, um, really kind of letting go of, I I will say the Nutritional Therapy Association really uh, opened my eyes up to, and I was resistant to it, actually, in the beginning, but it was kind of, they were kind of like, hey, everybody's individual, and yeah, you can have certain foods and they may not be great foods for somebody else based on what works for them. And so I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. so maybe, maybe food instead is not a, you know, a set of rules that we should be following. And instead it's all of these foods are here. You can have any of them that you want, but, uh, go for the ones that, work best for you and you probably will be really well you know what I mean like you'll probably feel really good and you you will achieve that health and, and that stuff that you want to and I understand that there are specific protocols for certain diseases or whatever and that that may be important but for a lot of us who have this disordered eating tendency really looking at food as oh cool well it's all there I can eat it anytime I want it's not good or bad there's no morality involved there and it doesn't translate to me I'm not a good or bad person based on what I eat there's all this food there I'm choosing not to engage with this specific food because it really makes me feel like crap, you know, or triggers my IBS. So, hey, cool. Um, you know, love your food, but I'm not going to eat it. Um, I'm not going to engage with you and at least intentionally. Um, and so, you know, having that kind of relationship and being like, I could really eat, you know, I could eat that. Like, it's not, there's like, I still see this even with my family. It's like, well, I can't eat that. Yeah, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, no, you can't. Like, you really can. Um, but instead, you know, shift your mindset away from all of the can'ts and all of the this is bad and this is good, and just be like, cool, food is just food. And now I'm going to eat the things and figure out the things that work best for me. And so, um, it's it's of course not the thing that sells very well because the one size fits all approach does. People want rules and guidelines and all that stuff. But in the end, what's really going to work best for uh, people, what really worked best for me was like, all right, here's a tray of foods and let me pick the things that really serve me well. And if I engage with something and I'm like, oh, man, that didn't really make me feel well, then I'm going to take it out. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to eat and I'm not going to engage with it. And so it's really, of course, I I don't want to remove the emotion from food. I think eating with emotion and having emotion around food is perfectly acceptable. But uh, removing that sort of like good or bad kind of um, heaviness that comes with the, that disordered relationship with food, just kind of like dropping that uh, was really freeing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, boom. And took that. a lot. Yeah, it takes, a <laughs> lot of, it takes the power away, so to speak, right, from the food. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, it's like going from a disempowered frame of mind to an empowered frame of mind. And it's exactly what intuitive eating is. It's like, 
figuring out what works for you. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I love your approach to, to food and health and, and fitness. So I'm so glad that, um, you're here to, today to chat about it. So yeah. the last question that I ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing you have done? Oh no, I didn't prepare for this. Um, let's see. You know what? I'm this may be a little cliche, but I think I think the fear the most fearless thing I've ever done was actually get married. <laughs> you eloped, right? Yeah, we eloped. It was a tough situation. It was scary. Um it was scary, but it, it there, it, you know, sometimes the things that scare us the most have the most reward. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had to let go of logic. Um, you know, my husband was deployed. He actually deployed for a year and uh, seven months. Sorry, we were dating and he came back. We had only <laughs> really been dating while he was deployed and uh, came back and we eloped and it it was because he was being deployed again for a year, but it was like when I met him, I knew it. I knew something was different and I knew that this was it. Um, but it's really hard to kind of take, still take the jump, especially, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't think I wanted to be married and I didn't think that that was something I especially wanted at age 24. But when, you know, when, when I did it, it's been, and it's not that it's easy, but it's been an incredible experience and he's been really helpful because when you have sort of this whole body image thing, it's a very closed world. Like you try to hide it from the world, right? You want to appear confident. You want to appear like you're the thing. And um, so it's something you don't really share. And mm-hmm. and so getting married and, and being so open and basically having another half, you know, where we're two become one. Um, that's typically what happens with marriage. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 it forced me to be more vulnerable and actually allow people allow this person to help me through things and to open up to him about a lot of things. So it was, yeah, I would say that that was probably the biggest thing I've ever done. So that's awesome. Most fearless. Yes. Oh, what a nice little <laughs> love story too. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> that's yeah. great. And you, and you have a puppy. <laughs> I do. That was pretty fearless. She is crazy. So <laughs> she's, she's so in all cute. my, yeah, she's in all my Instagram videos, but she, cause I can't control her. I've got it. Like, you know, she's crazy, but, um, yeah, she's, that was, she's great. Speaking, so, speaking of videos, you've got a pretty good Periscope thing going on, right? Do you want to tell people yes, a little bit about that? Yes, as do you. Yeah, so I do regular workouts, just home workouts, home workouts on Periscope. I also rant and just talk about things and, and a lot of stuff that we would probably sit and talk about together summer, uh, but I talk about it on Periscope. So I try to do it once a day. It typically doesn't happen when I'm, you know, doing holiday stuff and all that. But for the most part, I'm there pretty regularly and, and doing the, the live workouts that people can do with me. And so I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Seems That's like awesome. you are, you are too. I like your, I love your Periscopes. Yes. So. Yes. I have a lot of fun with it. I haven't done yeah. one in probably a month because of holidays and yeah. sickness and mm. stress, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll be back on it next week. That's my good. That's I will my hold- promise you to the. <laughs> that's my promise to the world. <laughs> yes, we will hold you accountable. <laughs> like, Where are you? No, yeah. I love it too. It's such a good platform. But I, I love that you're that you do workouts on there. I think that's so rad. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So where can people find more of you? Everything is at coconutsandkettlebells.com. That is it. Great stuff. Yep. Amazing. I will link to all that in the show notes, including the books that you mentioned as well. Those Gretchen Rubin books. Um, You can find those at summerinandin.com forward slash FRR dash five seven. I have Noel. Thank you so much. You are really authentic and real and I love chatting with you. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. Yeah. Rock on. If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes to leave me a review. It will take two seconds and I would be super grateful. Click on reviews and ratings and then click to rate. Easy peasy. You can do it on your phone right now, just while you're driving even. Just kidding. And don't forget to head to summerinnit.com or thebodyimagecoach.com to grab your free 
free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod plus the 10 day body confidence makeover plus your exclusive invite to my free online community all for free 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 cool all right until next time rock on (laughs) 